0: This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit UBCP.com. That's UBCP.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Do it our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Live Your Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today we continue our epic conversation with actor Tom O'Pennicott. You can find part one in your podcast feeds because you were talking about your, you know, the satisfaction you feel, you know, when you're working on the indie projects. And that's something that has come come up, you know, especially in a service town, right? Like as an actor, sometimes you're working for the paycheck and sometimes you're working for the work, capital T, capital W. You know, I want to talk like what is success to you now and how has how has it changed over the course of your career?
1: Hmm, That's a good question. I mean, it's changed a lot. I often do, and I'm sure a lot of people do this in life, but I wish I could talk to the younger version. I mean, when
0: that's my last question, I'm not even kidding. I end the podcast saying, if you could go back in time, you know, and, and, and give yourself some advice, you got one minute to give yourself some advice. What What would you you say?
1: I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you ask it at the end, but I will touch on it a little bit. The amount (laughs) that I've learned in my 20 years is incredible. And, uh, you know so much of it I was I was blessed and grace enough to have had mentors early on in the beginning who tried to espouse this wonderful you know smart information. To me, they tried to they tried to let me know that there's certain things that are consistent for actors and our experiences um, in this career and how tough it is and how tough the the town is Hollywood in general. Yeah,
0: and,
1: uh, the concept
0: just, of Hollywood, not just physically yeah. Hollywood, right? Exactly,
1: <laughs> celebrity success, all of it, and they tried yeah. to give me this information early, and I listened to it um, and I took some of it in, but you know, the unfortunate truth in this business, a- as is life, as is life, you will hear something you It can register, but you have to make the mistake yourself. You have to go through it, and maybe you have to make it numerous times. There's a few lessons I've learned in this game that i still I'm still learning, but I'm getting better at it my My idea of success now is very different than what it was before. I used to say when I was younger, I used to try to say with humility, you know like I don't need to be a big star. And I, you know, I really didn't, that was never a big thing for me. like, I never was like, I wanna be Brad Pitt. Like I wanna be in every carpet. The celebrity aspect, the carpets, the, the interviews, the, the, the that side being out and about and being pictured and all that, that invasive aspect of it never appealed to me. Mm-hmm. I was a politician's son, even though it's a small community, you know, we. my dad had little privacy. He was a workaholic and when we did have time with him, my sisters and I we were constantly being interrupted by some asshole who fed, felt it was his time to talk to my father about some issue that was bothering him. Yeah. My dad would kindly say all the time, he's like, hey, I only have this time with my kids. I'm just trying to enjoy it. Call the office, we'll schedule some time. I'll try and make it cool. Half the time they wouldn't even listen to that. they would be like, all right, this is the way I feel about things and I gotta talk to you. Yeah. So they would infringe on that time. So I grew up sort of hating that side of it. You know, yeah. I had reporters try and talk to me and get sound bites. They call my house when I was like eleven or ten, trying to get stuff out of me because my oh. father was a premier. Yeah. Just assholes, no, 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 couth, no class. Like, so that I was never drawn to that aspect. What I was drawn to is being a storyteller, being able to uh, delve into these characters and becoming different people. Like, it just fascinated me when I was small being isolated in the Yukon and looking at these actors, being able to film in different locations and play different characters, have different skills. I just thought there, there can't be a better thing than this. This looks like the most incredible experience of my life.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, or in their lives, like if I could do this, mm-hmm. if I could go and do this professionally, I, I can't imagine being happier. And you know, when you're doing it and you're doing the stuff that you're passionate about and the work that you love, and you're working with great people. is mm-hmm. the best thing in the world. And that's what we're all chasing as actors. We've tasted it. We're, we're addicts. You can never let it go. We'll um, <laughs> have to step back because of careers. And this is a nasty business. It's tough, man. Yeah. Uh, you can have success and then you can disappear. You can have success and then you never touch it again. Um, I've seen, I can't tell you how many talented actors in this town, but I went to acting school with just never worked yeah. uh, in the film, film aspect. They could never make a career out of it. And they were by far and still are, I'm sure, some of the most talented actors that I've, I've, I've ever uh, experienced or, or worked, worked with wow. in class, just seeing the work that they had, the talent they had, but for whatever reason, they didn't work on screen. The casting directors didn't see it. It didn't transfer over. So it's, it's a really tough business. But for me now, success, what makes me happy as long as I can pay the bills, And as long as I can do my craft and work with people that I want to work with and enjoy the experiences, like for the most part, there's always a little bit of the stuff that we don't enjoy—that's part of it. You have to pay the bills. It's not all art. How yeah. many of us are blessed enough and good enough to be offered things that are just incredible to do.
0: Yeah, it's a gig economy, like it is.
1: It really is. It really <laughs> is. But but those, when you can do those passion projects, when you can do the projects that are important to you, that test you as an actor and as an artist, um, and and there's nothing like good writing. It doesn't matter if there's no budget. Yeah,
0: you're
1: able to like really delve into it with good people. It is the most satisfying, uh, inspiring, and uplifting experience for me. And I just had that with that film that I did. And I also had that working on Kiri and the dead girl. Alex actually brought that to me. He, The, um, the producer was a friend of Alex's and he suggested me for the role. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. And, he, and the guy didn't know that um, that uh, I was indigenous. And he said, right. listen, it just lends even more gravitas to the story. And um, the story is very much based on Kiri Green's experience as a young girl, and she's—I uh, don't want to—I don't want to, uh, I don't want to uh, speak out of turn, but she she's really re-identifying with her um, 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 her her cultural identity because it was taken from her. Whether that was um, she grew up with a different family, I'm not sure if it was a foster yeah. situation or what have you. But she's Clinkit Clinkit people in the Yukon Territory, and throughout Northern BC are very very powerful people, and they're still. Yeah. It's amazing to me how much they've been able to retain and keep a lot of their cultural customs, their regalia, their song, their music, everything. Um, you know, my my uh, cousin, just married into the Tlingit uh, nation in the Yukon territory, were powerful people. My father, when he was in government, had more indigenous members in his uh, in his caucus than any government at the time, mm. and probably to this day, um, well, right up until the Trudeau government, for a provincial government. Yeah, uh, Sam Johnson was the first indigenous uh, uh, speaker of the wow. house
0: uh, under my
1: father. And he's yeah. a very revered and respected Tlingit, uh chief. So Kiri's been re-identifying with it. And she worked with this team. They wrote this incredible script. And it's very much about her experiences as a child. Now, it's only a short film, but I had a fantastic time doing it. And uh, the director dropped out. And then they they told me that, because um, that, uh, it was going to be, uh, as I remember, it was going to be Loretta Todd but she was working on another project. Mm. So she suggested, or someone suggested Grace Dove. And it's great, Grace had never directed before, but she's a very talented actor.
0: Yeah, and Loretta directed Grace in Monkey Beach, right.
1: So I think Loretta was mentoring her and encouraging her and telling her she could do it. And her partner, uh, Sterling Bancroft, is just a talented, talented- God,
0: Sterling's amazing.
1: The gem, and he's so good (laughs) to work with. And I've just worked with him. Uh, uh, previously, um, uh, and he, uh, uh, we had a blast doing it, and I think they did an incredible job. And I, I lent whatever um, experience and knowledge I could to the production and help move it along. And and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And most of the cast and the crew have seen it. They had a screening on Facebook. I was busy that day, but I've been sent the link.
0: Because he's always Earth. busy.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> it's
0: my thesis <laughs> statement. Tomo's That's
1: busy. True. But I think it's going to tip. <laughs> and I hope I hope I'm right about that, but I think it's going to tip, which is wow. incredible. I'm really yeah. excited about that.
0: Yeah. Maybe you'd be able to go. Who well, knows? Who knows if it'll be in in person? Yeah. Hey, I, I love a I love a short film. Um, I I love a short film for a short film's sake, which is actually a wonderful segue into what I wanted to talk about next, mm-hmm. which yeah. is uh, what I, I call this section of the podcast the Alex Ponovic and Tom O'Pennigat hostage situation section. I didn't actually have a name. I just kept talking and talking. <laughs> um, because, you know, you, I mean, you produced a film right like you with a short film with alex ponovic Mm -hmm. um who well famously there's the alex ponovic drinking game on our podcast so you're gonna be people who follow that drinking game you are about to get drunk the cuddle puddle nation this is all for you (laughs) i mean your your friendship with alex is is legend really uh in this i mean uh, other people come and go alex and you i mean you are like brothers right mm-hmm. it's like you can always see you in the room you're like oh look there the tall the tall men are standing there well let's have, hey let's meet back at the tall guys
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. The landmark
0: yeah the landmarks but i i want to hear about you know the what that what that friendship does for you navigating, you know, this industry. You know, because I I can I can imagine, you know, I mean, you talk about, you know, the, the tumultuous nature of of working in in this in the artistic gig economy. You know, what what does it what does it mean to have a friend like Alex, you know, to to kind of move through that with? And what do you do for each other?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. We've we've been it's li- literally been 20 years now that we've been like, you know. Happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you. I mean, when I do math, <laughs> it's about 20 years. Let Alex know, happy anniversary, honey. <laughs> an expensive bottle of tequila and a foot rub, buddy. You need a foot rub, buddy. Come on. Yeah. Um Yeah yeah we oh met at yeah. acting we met at uh, we met at um, uh, lyric acting school when I was uh twenty five or twenty six He came in and we didn 't click right away because we were you know two of the big guys we were kind of eyeing each other up it took it took uh, it took an audition together for us to actually have an honest conversation and get along. We were doing an audition for a Molson Canadian ad it was when they were doing this whole thing there was just these funny ads young people having fun and mm-hmm. we were supposed to improv and so Alex and I were improving that we've got our girlfriends on our shoulders. And, you know, it's, we're at a concert and it's kind of busy and we're kind of drinking. We, and, you know, the casting director's getting into it and directing us and we just started ripping off each other doing really comedic, funny stuff. We mm-hmm. were trying not to crack up. The casting director was killing ourselves. To this day, I don't know how we didn't get the gig actually because we were good. Yeah. We were really good. And we walked out of there and we'd seen each other in class and we talked, maybe hung out with other people and stuff, but we hadn't really clicked yet. And after that, after that audition, I remember uh, we just, we kind of got each other. We're like, okay, cool. And he was like, you know, I, you want to train sometime? And I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. I'd love to. And uh, we started training together. And it just so
0: cute. Oh, yeah. you started training. See, yeah. that's huge. That's huge. Because that's well, when yeah, was- Paul like became that. such good friends with With who became his like blood brother, Darren Shalabi. They met, they were like really, they, they, like, they, you know, they got together and then they worked out every day with each other for for five years. And,
1: um, incredible uh, martial artist. Oh, yeah.
0: But that, that time, that's such bonding time, right? The time that you spend in the gym and also like at the car after I would be like, I would. Like I was like the third person in the relationship, even though I was there first.
1: Yeah. Especially if you're talking about like (laughs) combat sports or anything or training.
0: Yeah. And
1: that was the thing. Alex and I both have passions for it. So when we realized how big of fans we were of MMA and everything, and that he's a kickboxer, he's a boxer. And like Alex, you know, he he got a silver medal for us at the Pan Am Games. He's a high level, third generation boxer. He's really good. So I jumped to the opportunity to train with him. And we just started, you know, growing down after that. We became best buddies after that. We love each other's sense of humor. We love taking the piss out of each other. It's our thing. We do it well. Uh, I love the guy to death. He's one of the most, he's one of the best humans I've ever met. Without yeah. So people, he's the
0: real deal, right? Like he's the, the deal, I mean, I know, you know, I know I that he's the real it. deal, but like tell our listeners, like he's the real deal.
1: Yeah, but they know, they know. That's part of the reason that Alex works as much as he does. People yeah. just love being around him. You know, he was in the industry and you know, things, things, when we did the hostage, you know, he was still working his ass off trying to make things work, but it was, you know, it was slower for him then because yeah. a lot of people didn't know him. He was still breaking in, but he was hustling, man. He was getting to know people and he was always trying to make things work, yeah. always. And I was so busy that I was cross-eyed. I was having a really hard time with all the success I was having and juggling it all, navigating it all.
0: Yeah.
1: When we did the hostage, I was, I had already left Brent Cote is Alex's friend the time and he introduced me, he said that he wanted to write the script for us. Alex is like, look, he'll write a short and we can do it, we can produce it. I said, great, amazing. But then Brent just cracked it off. After we had that conversation, he came to us like five days later. He's like, hey, I got the script done. I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. I'm just about to go to LA and he goes, yeah, I understand that, but like, maybe you can come up on a weekend. I'm like, buddy, I'm doing a Fox television series. Like I have no idea what my schedule is gonna be. It's gonna be very last minute. For me to fly back and do a short, it's gonna be a bit of a stretch god bless brent though he just stayed on me he's like look dude we can do this two days even one day we can do one day shoot and we can get this done like just yeah. get it because
0: it's like a theater piece right like it's and you're not very nice to each other in it. I haven't watched in a while, but if I remember correctly, and I believe it is online somewhere, right? People can well, you can get it on YouTube? Okay, so I will put a link to Hostage in the footnotes for this episode. But what was so delightful, especially like I'd seen it before, before I knew you guys, and yeah. and I and before I was aware of the legendary friendship. But then to watch it, you know. To watch it through the lens of knowing how much you actually love each other. Yeah. You know, and there's also, you also share, you share the screen with someone else who is also legend as well, right? Yeah, (laughs) Chay. Chayla Horstall. Um, I'm
1: so happy she came in and did that with us, man. Yeah. But you guys
0: are like, to know how much you love each other and then to see how mean you are to each other, you know? So (laughs) experience of making that, like, tell me about that trip. Like, that must have been...
1: Well, so we worked our asses off on it too, you know, because we were like, look, we're, we've always wanted to produce something, let's do it. And yes. somehow magically the lines, you know, the things lined up where I was able to jump on a plane, come back from LA in the middle of shooting Dollhouse. Dollhouse, yeah. Come back and do this short. And we, what I love is that, and Che was part of this school too, we, we all went to Lyric together. We were at Lyric back in the day, studying the Pitois, and um, and that's how we were all friends initially and that's where alex and i met and che too and um alex and i did that actual work uh uh, line wise like we ran the shit out of the script and it's wordy especially for me but it's we we ran it sideways so we were prepared and able to play and i i just um it's very emotional so it's it's challenging as an actor so we went worked with our our one of our dear friends and old acting coaches, Kate Twa, right before we shot. And she gave us some great okay. notes. Yeah, Kate gave us some great stuff, especially Alex. And so when it came to the day, you know, it was a grind. It was a marathon. We I think we shot for like 17 hours or something, but we did it in a day, basically. We just got it all done. Um, and... Um,
0: that but- sounds like torture. I mean, I'm sure it was amazing and the art is beautiful, but to go through that again and
1: again... Yeah, some of the scenes were like... this. Especially- on Alex, they were they were trying and they were grueling, and it was exhausting. But at the end of the day, I was really proud of the film. It was quite it's dark yeah. and it's heavy. Yeah, and I'm still proud of it to this day. And I, I was I was. You know, I'm still a little sad that it wasn't embraced more. Brent really worked hard on it, and he did an incredible job as a first directing debut. I look forward to working with Brent again. He's he's luckily gone on. He's still writing. He's directing. He's doing work. Um, he's just makes things happen. But I, I'd love for him and Alex and I to to come back and do another project again because that was that was one of the initial things that Alex and I did together, and we always planned on doing more. But you know, we just went off in different directions. And I'm I'm really proud of Alex because he's. He's good at connecting people, that's his magic. He meets people and he makes an impression on them.
0: That's true. And
1: he keeps in touch with them and they really like Alex. And then he just he, he makes introductions. It's part of the reason he's been successful as a producer because yeah. he brings in the actors. He'll be like, "Hey, you're going to do this production. You want me involved? I can bring in these people. Maybe I can make this introduction." He's great at that, and that's yeah. that's that's an intelligence and magic of its own, and not a lot of people have it. And Alex has it in spades. Yeah,
0: so
1: he's really run with it, and it's he's done well with that. Um, I've uh, so, speaking of working with Alex, I've um, I've been writing. For- <laughs> Sorry,
0: some people are just like they've passed out drunk now vomiting like all the drinking at <laughs> every mention of alice's oh name yeah <laughs> you guys are, you, please pound some water now okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, take
1: a break, toast, <laughs> maybe some crackers. Yeah. But um, I've been writing for the last three, four years, whenever I can. I've gone through phases where I'm just not doing it at all. And unfortunately, during the pandemic, I really didn't have a lot of time. I started picking it up again. But there's one script in particular that I wrote. Uh, it's a thriller that uh, I've been wanting to do for years. It's set in the Yukon, and I've got a great role for Alex in it a Wonderful role for him. I'm so excited. I was a so thriller excited. set in the
0: Yukon. I yeah. love it. I love that it's the U- Yukon, and yeah,
1: you know, and I <laughs> it wrote an amazing role for him. and He read it finally, he just read it recently. So, when I was doing that film two months ago, um, which is called Rehab, um, I was doing that two months ago. I sent it off, and Alex was down in the states shooting, and he read the script, and he was. He's really excited about it, so I've got to. Uh, I need. I need a little help with it. I need a couple more passes at it to tighten it up and take out some of the fat. And then, uh, yeah, I just want to start uh, working towards getting it shot and filmed. And, oh, and,
0: fantastic! Well, keep uh, us posted, okay? I'd love to come sure. and be a fly on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Yukon. All right, that's enough Alex Ponovic talk. Damn, everybody's like <laughs> they already have their hangovers. Um. So as I promised, I'm going to keep us on track, Tomo. We're going to talk about Hilo and then we're going to play favorite things. And then I'm going to ask you that question Yeah. that I said I was going to, that I always end with. Um, Okay. So when I say Hilo, I'm talking about the character that Tomo famously played on Battlestar Galactica. We've had, um, wonderful conversations on this podcast about Battlestar Galactica, most recently with Rekha Sharma, uh, Rekha. who is, is a ray of sunshine and peace. And I just, we, I mean, we were crying with each other within the first 10 minutes. That yeah. is no lie. If you listen to the episode, um, I, I'm curious. Real quick,
1: I have to interrupt real quick. I'm so sorry. Real quick. Two days ago, I text Truco because I was going through some old pictures. All of us went to Germany 95% of the Battlestar cast wow. which is for a convention a few yeah. years back, and I've got a picture. We decided, of course, after many drinks and celebrating with all the fans after one of our first days, that I think it was Reka's idea that she was gonna run and Truco was gonna pick her up. I don't know, what, the, what are those called? It's like a- Dirty
0: dancing style.
1: <laughs> we're gonna do the dirty dancing <laughs> thing. And I've got a series of photos where it's not going well, where the first one, she lands <laughs> in Truco's face and his face is like, and she's still like, <laughs> It's brilliant. I sent all these pictures to Michael a few days ago just to remind him of that night. It was so funny. I love Rekha Sharma. Okay, go.
0: Yeah. I, I'm just no. I'm just picturing. I'm picturing, and I bet she was. She brought it every single time.
1: Every single time she went for it. She's because she's
0: just a. She is just a phenomenal, remarkable human being. She really is. Um. Okay. So, you. So when Reka, though, when Reka. Um, Rekha joined Battlestar after it had been going for a while, but even though she still didn't really know what it was or what was going on um, until uh, she was already on it and then was able to experience the magic of it. I'm curious though, I mean, we, we see you pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. When you were reading those first scripts, did you know? And what I mean, did you know? Because there's something so special about Battlestar. A lot of people have rediscovered it during the pandemic and been doing binges. You can find it in Canada on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. Um, And and now it is revered as, you know, a a masterpiece, you know, of not just sci-fi television, but of dramatic television. But In the early days of BSG, when you're on the set, you're looking at the scripts and, you know, did you have any idea what you were in for?
1: Yeah, I'd like to say that I, 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 may, I may have – there was some sort of intuitive thing. I knew that there was something special about it. You could feel it. I, I, I've only spoken on this briefly before, but there was a pervasive – there was a thing that everybody was feeling, whether they acknowledged it or not. You could. It was an energetic thing. Even when I reflect back and I think about the time that we were on the show, Eddie knew. Mary knew, they knew in the beginning, they knew.
0: As Rekha called him, Uncle Eddie.
1: <laughs> Academy Award nominees, veterans of the business. Yeah. You know, think about being a Mexican-American in the film business, the, the, the one of a few yeah. to survive and to have a career as long as he did and to get to this point and to know a sci-fi show like this, the potential of it, mm. the the, the, uh, the beauty of it, the the strength of it. He knew in the beginning, he was saying it in the first season. And that's why you'd see him sometimes passionately in the first season, like be having very intense conversations with the creators, with the showrunners, because he felt very strongly about directions that needed to go, conflicts that shouldn't be resolved. They needed to, you know, those storylines need to be explored over the seasons and Mm. need to be gritty and dirty. Eddie was so passionate about the show in the beginning. And that was infectious. We felt that. I've always been a sci-fi fan though. And just the gravitas of that 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 well-known, the recognized scene from the from the miniseries that I did with Grace Park where I give up my seat, this very heroic thing that yeah. that you you get to know Hilo, who he is, just from that scene. That in itself, that scene in itself is it's just I don't want to sound too grandiose and try and speak it up more than it is, but there was an energy, there was a power and spirit to that scene. And I was being pushed and guided in such a comfortable way, even though I was a very young actor, mm-hmm. I knew that there was an importance and weight to it. Maybe if I didn't understand it intellectually, I understood it at an energetic level because I felt so supported and I felt so, it was so right that I was there.
0: Yeah, I
1: was, I was, I was meant to be there. I understood the story the weight of it and I brought my own personal experiences through it and it was one of the, it was some of the easiest acting I've ever done. Hmm. When I say easiest, I mean easiest in terms of uh, uh, the least amount of effort.
0: You weren't second guessing yourself, you back just-
1: Exactly, constantly yeah. struggling. Where am I doing the right thing? Do I need to push more? Is this simple enough? Or am I just present? It was just there for me, it always was. It was just, uh, those scenes were there for me from the very first time that I auditioned for it. And then on the day that I was shooting, I, was, I wasn't worried about them and they were there. And it was huge. I'd never done anything like this, man. Had, they brought the Raptor out to a field and there was hundreds, you know, a hundred extras. And it was just such a big production. It was huge. It was everything that I dreamed about my whole life. And I had Eddie almost on set, just hanging out. He wasn't in the scenes and he was like, just watching me and like giving me a nod and stuff, which was terrifying and intimidating. I'd always been a massive fan of his. Yeah, I'll never forget when I got the scene done. This, the, the large part of we've been shooting all day, and, and also that connection I had with Grace Parker. Just, I just, it was there. it was kismet, it was meant to be there was something about it. Like Grace and I just got each other in a sort of like sibling way, like there was a there was just an a, a, a spiritual understanding between us that I just. I acknowledged and, and, and just trusted in, it and we did our work together, and I thought it was beautiful and powerful, and I felt so good when I finished it, because you have to understand, too, the show was done for me. I, I die. It's yeah. inferred that I die. Yeah, you're, le-
0: you're left behind.
1: The, the planet's <laughs> supposed to explode. It's yeah. the nuclear <laughs> <laughs> holocaust. And they didn't plan on coming back to that planet. They didn't plan on coming back to Capcom. Mm that storyline developed because apparently test audiences responded so strongly to the storyline yeah. that they wanted to know if I was still alive and running around the planet. So Ron Moore decided to write this C storyline of it happening. And I'm so blessed that he did. But for me, there was a finality to it and I was okay with it. Like I, I finished that scene and I'm like, what a beautiful, powerful experience. I worked on this for three months and mm-hmm. ended up writing me into a few more scenes because the, you know, um, uh, Michael Reimer saw our opportunity for it. He's like, we need to see more of you. So you, brought me in for a few more scenes it kept getting bigger and it wasn't an, never a big workload but they he spread me out so for three months i got to work with these people and bond with them and it felt like doing a big feature or something which i hadn't done at the time yeah it was huge and perfect and it was just it was a it was a big i was at a huge uh uh it was like you know when they speak of uh sometimes you hear about like humans and, and life in life and like seven-year periods mm-hmm. it was very much of that seven-year turning point i would just gotten out of a long relationship I'd lost certain friends and loved ones. Uh, I had some financial woes. I've just been struggling for a while. And in the last four or five months, I just switched. I I had this hunger and I'm like, I'm gonna make everything that I've been putting off happen. It's gonna Mm. happen. I was taking three acting classes at the time at the same school. I was going to class like five days a week, training like a madman. I I was so focused on what I wanted and it just all fell into place. Yeah. So that thing, even though that I thought it was done after that scene, and I walked away from it, even though Edward James almost came up to me after it and said, "Listen, these producers love what you did, and we're going to do everything to bring you back," I was still okay with it. I didn't. I, I still knew not to put any weight in that. Yeah. Trust it was. It was almost a year later that I found out that they wanted to, or six months later at least, that they were, um, that they were going to bring me back. So, um, wow. they were. I I knew from the jump that there was something special about this story. You could read that. Everything mm-hmm. that he did with it, Ron Moore created this. I mean, there, the universe was there to an extent for him in the original. Yeah. What he did with it was astounding. And and uh, and you could see that in the miniseries. So I knew when we went back for the first season that it was going to be something special. And again, when you have a legend like Edward James almost telling you constantly in the first season that what we're doing is going to be the one of the most powerful things you will ever do. And people will be talking about this 20 years later. Yeah. I can't believe that you know, four or five years, it's going to be 20 years later and people will still be talking about it. I hate to think the 20 years will pass that quickly, yeah. but it's true. And the show is more relevant, arguably, than it's ever been.
0: Oh, absolutely. I am one of the people who has watched, who has rewatched BSD during yeah. the pandemic, and it is so relevant, not just, I mean, not just in fact of, you know, the, the environmental woes and um, but also it, but all, like also the, the paranoia that people feel, you know, like, and last year when we're going through, you know, in, in the, when we're kicking up the social justice revolutions, you know, a notch, like it's, mm-hmm. it was just to, that's one of the things that I love about sci-fi. I, am I, I love, yes, the escapism and, um, and the cool ships and the blasters and all of that, but also, you know, to, to this kind of way of looking at out what is going on in our reality through a different lens. You know, it like what what is sci-fi? I mean, you mentioned that you're a lifelong fan. What does sci-fi do for you?
1: Well, you just made some excellent points there, too. I mean, uh, one of the things that I love about it is just imagination of trying to just think outside of the bubble like the potential of things yeah. you know some of the best sci-fi writers ones that i love like william gibson like mm. it, digress a little bit like think about star trek and all the things that it it, it the technologies and the things that it imagined for the future you know a much more just and equal society where w- women are equal to men and some of the technologies and and you know people are you know blind to race uh uh well at least humanity um, um and, you know, to look what we're striving towards and where we're at now in such a short amount of time and how many things have actually come to fruition and just the potential for humans, the potential of us, um, the imagination of, of sci-fi writers, how they think outside of the bubble. Uh, you know, for instance, William Gibson's one of my favorite writers and a lot of the, the things that he's written about when he first started writing my very first, you know, book of his that I read when I was 14. And, he, you know, he's yeah. famous for coining the term, you know, Cyber cowboy and talking about, you know, things that have that are now the norm, and it must yeah. be fascinating to be him and his career to have, to have imagined these things and they've they've they've, they've become reality in our in our in our yeah. world. The but I wonder if it's because if
0: it's, like the sci-fi writers spark the imagination of people
1: to. It could, it could be, and as you said, you made a really good point. You know, one of my favorite things about sci-fi is you can talk about which can be contentious issues, which are, you know, for instance, like when Battlestar s- started, the cable thing was really just starting. You know, mm-hmm. you had Sopranos, you had West Wing. There was only a handful the wire. There were only a handful of shows that were starting around that time where they were opening up people to not that tired sort of uh, very common uh, model of the network television episodic show to, mm-hmm. to, to, to streaming quality cable television, exceptional writing. Mm-hmm. Real, real writing in an episodic form, but like opening people up to like really, um, uh, you know, uh, forcing to talk uh, about really contentious issues. You know, at the time, the war was starting, uh, the United States was invading Iraq and We were talking about racism. We were talking about, you know, uh, God, religion, and and, uh, atheism, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, research with cells and, and experimenting with children, and there were so many different contentious issues, but because it was done on this platform space, uh, it was more accepted, but for the discerning viewer, for people who never even watched sci-fi before, they watched it and they're like, "Wow, I can see the allegory here, one hundred percent." It's metaphorically yeah. what we're talking about is all these things that are happening now, and that's why it was so embraced and talked about, and it's like this this cult thing. People are like, "You got to watch the show, man! It's yeah. amazing. It's one of the only shows that's talking about what's going on right now, and they're not and they're exploring, and it. it's such a fascinating way that they're." allowing you they're forcing you to see the perspective from both sides yeah both sides every single time that was the beauty of the show that's the beauty of art when it's done properly right so you're
0: in the grays it's not black and white like I felt with with Battlestar and honestly with so many of the shows that I really love it it is about staying in that gray zone and feeling like uncomfortable like that's the best kind of art right it's like it kind of Satisfy oh. with discomfort, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it forces people to, to look at their own, uh, you know, the the, the 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 ideas that they can kind of get stuck in their, their biases and their, their their prejudices and their their views and really examine them and, and acknowledge that you can be really ignorant about certain issues. You may not know, uh, you know, what the truth is, and you may yeah. need to open yourself up to other possibilities or at least be empathetic or sympathetic to someone else's situation because it's different from yours. They come from somewhere else. Yeah, I love important.
0: we're talking about empathy and humanity and all of this. And we've been talking about it for the entire conversation. And we're it's still perfect. talking about it when we're talking about Battlestar. Like I just, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, I, before we, okay, we're gonna play Favorite Things soon, which is a rapid fire, like you're gonna tell me all your favorite things. <laughs> I, but wh- I do have one last question about, about Hilo though, because we, we talked about the beginning. Um, let's talk about the end. You know, yeah. because like you were, I mean, you were with the show, you know, for for all of that time. Um, mm-hmm. How did your experience playing Hilo change you as an actor and as a human being? And what was it like to say goodbye?
1: Mm, good questions. I mean, you know, in the beginning, like i said a lot of who helo was was established in that very first miniseries yeah. but me as a young actor very much went through a lot of this experiences and growing pains that helo did he was he was by himself he's a guy who was so hardwired to know the difference between right and wrong and what was just and what wasn't he had this moral compass that was just what was so frustrating to even Hilo <clears throat> and me as an actor he could not do the wrong thing it yeah. just and he knew that he was going against everyone. And that would be to the detriment to his family and the way he was accepted. And it would make him um, uh, very alone and an outcast at times. But mm. that's who he was. And he knew the difference and it might even compromise his career. And you know, the show was so realistic that at times as the actor, I'd be on set and I'd be getting attitude in the beginning from the other actors and stuff. Because we all just, you know, we just got into our roles, man. The writing was so good. So we'd be having political debates about the show and life in and outside of the show, even on set, so I was going through the same stuff. Yeah. As an artist, though, like I grew so much. That I'm to this day, I feel so blessed to have had such um, intimate, trusting, um, supportive, and collaborative relationships with so many of the directors and the creators on the show because mm. they would come in and we knew our characters so well that they were s- so respectful of mm. that and be like, "Are you okay with this line? Like, is this?" Does this ring true for you? And you'd be like, well, you know what? I uh, Yes, but I also feel like this. Can we do that without a line and just show, have a beat where you, you know, we'll, I'll stay on you in the camera. It was just so collaborative.
0: Is and, that yeah, rare? I, like, cause I I don't. In my experience, it.
1: it's very, very rare. Yeah. And to this day, unfortunately, uh, you know, I really haven't had too many experiences like it. The 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 unfortunate thing about it is at the end of the show, I felt like I was doing the best work I ever had as an actor. I was so uh, secure and in tune with who Hilo was. And, and I felt like most of us were, especially the young actors uh, by the end of the show, that when I went off and did another series and I did some other projects, because the environment wasn't the same, mm. because there was a lot of stress and anxiety and it was a big production and what have you. Like for instance, Dollhouse, very. we didn't come out of the gate strong, even though there was so much hype about the show. When, we, when I first found out, we got it, and the press and everything about the show, we were going to be opening for 24, the biggest yeah. show in the world. That was the hype in the beginning.
0: Yeah.
1: In a short duration, we ended up shooting the top pilot. The network wanted to cannibalize that pilot and have a bunch of reshoots, forcing Joss Whedon to compromise this beautiful pilot that he'd done, where he was right. told he had full integrity and was able to do his thing. So we didn't come out of the gate strong. And you felt that anxiety and set and nobody mm. were gonna last. And suddenly we went from the hottest thing to you're gonna fight. You're fighting right out of the gates. Yeah. And that environment was, it, it threw me, man. It threw me because I went from Battlestar and it was so secure and so collaborative and so such a beautiful thing. And then I was blessed by the gods to be going to work with the next most res- respected creator out there, Joss Whedon. And yes. I was so excited to do my magic again. Do my part and make it such a collaborative thing, and it just wasn't the situation. Mm. There were some beautiful things on Dollhouse, many of them, but out of the gates it was it was really tough, especially in the beginning because we just didn't know. Like there was often times where I was, I just like they wouldn't come get me on set for too long, and I was like, did they cancel the show? Like, is because there's dead out here? I look outside my trailer and there's no one around. I'm like, you have to tell me that the show got. Because you'd hear about that, you know, like producers come in, show's done, sorry, boom. Like they come in and tell you in the makeup trailer. Like, oh shit. I'm like, oh my God, did we get canceled? Luckily, we got two seasons out of it. But, you know, halfway through the second season, we found out it was done. Um, But, you know, as an actor, like I learned so much. And Eddie and Mary were often giving us like little tidbits, like, listen, you guys feel great. It's amazing, but you're going to have a real hard transition. And I would constantly say to Eddie, like, don't curse my stuff, man. I'm going to have great things after. Like, don't tell me this is going to be the best thing I ever did because you're, yeah. you're, I want to believe that it could be more. But he was right, you know? It's one of the most incredible things I've done to this date. And it was a very hard learning curve for me after to realize that instead of waiting around for this next magical thing, you just got to go back and do the work. You're mm. getting back to the studio. And that's what I would say to any actor, um, you know, younger actor who's having some success and they're having a dry period. And get back into class. The worst yeah. mistake I ever made was not being back in class and just hitting the grind again and just doing it, getting getting all that stuff out of you, moving it through. Sitting around suffering, you know, the famous words of David Mamet: sitting around waiting for the audition, drinking coffee, and talking about acting but not acting. Worst thing you can do? Doesn't for mm-hmm. your mental health. Does nothing for your craft. Years will pass by and you'll be like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Like, what have I done? That's Get the
0: work. I mean, that's what Cassini, Cassini John Cassini talks about. Is the work is not just when you're you're on set or when you're on stage. It's it's all of it. It's mm-hmm. it's the preparing for auditions. It's the being yeah. in class. It's reading plays. It's going yeah. to plays. It's watching stuff. It's like it's just, it's all of the work. Capital love, T, capital W.
1: I love Cassini for that. I love how he's he's just such a champion of our craft, and he's he's just such a. Uh, amazing teacher and fantastic actor and producer and, and he's just so supportive of the community. Yeah. I'm so proud of him. And,
0: Vice President and he, John Cassini. So, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah.
1: He deserves that role and I, I I I champion everything he does and how he's able to juggle it all because it's really impressive. Because he's you know he's a dedicated. Father and loving husband, and he just juggles everything. But I'll tell you, man, when he's at class, as much shit as he's got going on, he's there. He's invested, and he's dropped in, and he's there for us. And he's gonna yeah. teach us, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna give us the environment to do our thing. And and uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and love him for that. It's We're a real- good
0: community, eh? Like this is like a good. I mean, because you've worked elsewhere, right? Like this is it's a good sure. city here, right? Like you know, why do you stay in Vancouver?
1: Well, I mean, I, I've always loved it. You know, I, I moved from the north. Luckily as a child, I always, I kind of fell in love with Atlanta when I was young because one of my mother's best friends uh, lived in Kits. So I would come down and visit, her son was my best friend. Uh, and then, you know, that event, that eventually, uh, the relationship eventually faded because we were kids and I, I could only come down in summers. But I came down like two, three summers in a row. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in as a kid and kids,
0: I, I love that I love it. okay so you know what what were some of your haunts I want to hear your haunts
1: well the beach and you know yeah. and, and, and the water park Granville Island like yeah. to me, a little Yukon boy we didn't have any of that it was mm. just incredible
0: no were and you kids how- beach or were you like Spanish banks
1: yeah that, I mean, we're spanish they,
0: banks like locarno kind
1: of family i love spanish banks it's yeah. one of my favorite things in vancouver but when yeah. i was a kid we just go to spanish banks or yeah. we go there here and there but it was mostly kits because yeah. the place where they lived was just on west second it was blocks away
0: and, then, yeah. um,
1: and they also had a farm it was actually a co-op that they lived on so they had a farm and um and uh i would uh it was in abbotsford and i would go out to this farm and uh, just lived the farm life for a bit too. It was it it was was such a it was so different from my Yukon upbringing, yeah. but I've never forgotten it. And because of it, I've always had this love of BC. I've always had this fascination of the ocean, even though I've been a BC resident, you know, native for 26 years at least, yeah. I'm still fascinated by the ocean, the mountains, the beauty here, it's stunning. I'll always be a Yukon boy at heart and I go back every year, but BC is incredible. I love yeah. things about California. Uh, there's a lot of things that are hard about that city, though, and it's it's never been a place, even when I did not live there for the better part of two years, never been a place where I was just like I want to just set my roots. Came close a couple times. Yeah, universe always took me back. Always took me back to Vancouver. So, yeah, I'm I'm the
0: same me. as you, man. I'm from Montreal. That's where like I love it. I'm a but I've lived in Vancouver. I lived in Kitsilano longer than I've lived anywhere else, and it's very special. And we are constantly. I don't know, like there's something about going to, um, now we're becoming like a travel show for people, because we have listeners all over the world. But, you know, Lucarno, Spanish banks, Jericho, like there's something very special about those beaches because it's like you, you have the mountains on 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 the opposite side, and I feel, and you can walk when when the tide is out, man. You can walk like you feel like you're gonna walk to the to the edge of the and world, and I feel yeah. like so humbled in my humanity in that. And it's like <clears throat> you know, and yet you're in so close land. to like, you're yeah, in mean, the in lands, you're so close to um the, all of these awesome, and there still are mom and pop restaurants it's and like shops, there. and yeah. yeah. There's the grit like really this intense Greek area as well, you know, where there's like the shops and the grocery stores and like these awesome like nine year old Greek men who sit outside the cafes. Like I just I, I it's a very it's a awesome vibe and like they can they could call Kitsilano, the um the birthplace of um the Canadian hippie movement as well. I think we have uh, like that's where in Canada the 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 1960s hippie movement started different in the States, but it was, it was in Kitsilano. So there's definitely that kind of that vibe here. I recommend it. Come to Kitsilano. (laughs) You ready to play some favorite things? Sure. Okay. So favorite things was developed by Mariana Furminger, who is 10, uh, who believes that the answers to these questions are very revealing um, about who you are. And basically the rule is uh, answer from your gut, no thinking, Okay. Uh, and um, I just I mean, the joy for me is just I live for that moment of shock and panic, which I've had some beautiful like just people like the top actors in the craft, you know, just like losing their shit because I've asked them, like, what is their favorite insect? I have it. that, has, that is not a question, but like it, that kind of question, right? Like, oh, oh, oh. OK, so you ready to play favorite things?
1: Let's do it.
0: All right. Favorite karaoke song.
1: <laughs> uh uh, what's love got to do with it?
0: That is a great answer. And
1: um, I, I did that with Adrian Holmes last time. Really? Oh, see Adrian do karaoke. The man is good.
0: Oh, I bet. I bet. I actually, I have this idea for um for either like I hosted like an industry night or something, and I would call it castioke because I love karaoke so much. <laughs> and uh, just to get everybody together singing. It is the worst thing to do during a pandemic, though, just because you're just spitting all over the place. Um, all right favorite cartoon character Tom Oh of Tom and Jerry fame what do you like about Tom
1: I don't know. I, don't, I don't even remember which which is is Tom the cat or the mouse
0: Okay listen I want you to answer but you have but you to like quick
1: you said I have to just say I know it, right? okay I but I want
0: You have to believe in it too <laughs> Okay okay so favorite cartoon character who you actually do love
1: Okay. Well, let's think about this for one second. Cause I really did like cartoons, but because I was a C- CBC kid, I didn't get to watch a lot of, you know what? I'm going to give a very Canadian answer. Uh, you remember the raccoons? The
0: raccoons.
1: Yeah. The raccoons. Raccoons was amazing. I love the raccoons.
0: Love raccoons. That was the Sunday night block on CBC. You get right? the raccoons, you get um, Lillis Hobo, and, and then there would be like the wonderful minutes. world of Disney.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The wonderful World of Disney and the, the whole intro. It's just iconic, making me think about my childhood. And Raccoons was great for a number of years, man. I love that.
0: Yeah. It's like an, an environmental show as well, right? Like
1: it very uh, much was, yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that. Okay. That is a good answer. Okay. So more answers like that. You can take a second. Okay. You don't just have to blurt. Hey,
1: okay. I was like I thought I just had an answer. <laughs> blurt. Blurt.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Take a breath, Tom. It's gonna be okay. Favorite Vancouver shot series, past or present, that you haven't appeared
1: in? Intelligence.
0: That is a great answer. You said it very quickly, but... That's a fantastic actor. or er, answer, yeah. Oh man, you would have been great on it. You just missed it.
1: I was such a fan. It is a crime. I still bitch about it. It is a crime that it only went it's two seasons. You know, we, we It was a-, a
0: crime. It was like a political crime.
1: Oh, good. It was so good. Everyone on it was killing it, man. Everyone did incredible work, man. The was incredible.
0: Cassini, Ian Cassini. Sullivan. Yeah.
1: Everyone was so goddamn. The writing was so good. It was man, I just, oh, travesty, that show didn't go on. They should've given, given us like a TV movie, at least to wrap it up, something. Oh,
0: can, I, can I take a minute to bitch? Because we did, have, we did have our talk about CBC and I love CBC. And I'm so, I have CBC socks. Like I, I am nostalgia CBC, Mr. Dress Up, I mean. uh, like just, you know, all of it. It grinds my gears. That we can't seem to get a CBC series out here, you know, that is that, that, and Chris Haddock, huge yeah. victim of this, you know, yeah. intelligence, Romeo section, yeah. um, but also Strange Empire, right? You know, like they, they it's, it, Strange we are.
1: Empire was out, two years too early, but yeah, they should have supported it. They should have kept it going. It should have gone another season. Yeah. Man, that, that, look at everything that's out there now. Women led series.
0: Women led oh, diverse. Yes, you know, uh, Western.
1: if it it's time, she was so. She was so. in doing that and I I have to agree with you it is such a shame that CBC didn't support that show and give it another
0: support BC like shows that are filmed out here we are one of the largest production centers in the world our national broadcaster I mean frankly all of them I'm glad Global's got a show out here they've just renewed Family Law for a second season before it's even aired Um, but it just it's so I just any chance I mean I've said this I I, when I had Kevin Eastwood on when I had Juan on when I had Cassine just any chance that I could just bitch about CBC you see who I love, yeah. you know? But like take chances yeah. and take a chance on us, take a chance on diverse storytellers, like
1: just. they need to hear it. It needs to happen. We need a show that's done out here. That's there's every, there's a million stories here to be turned. Yeah, it's such a diverse province. There's so many wonderful stories and creators and talents out here. Give me a break. Come out here and make the show.
0: Come out here and make the show. All right, that was a very, like that, that got serious for a minute. Yeah. I'm gonna bring it back to the true because okay. my daughter's like I don't care about this. <laughs> <laughs> what are you even talking about? Okay. Favorite supervillain.
1: Favorite supervillain. Hmm. Who is the incredible actor? What? I'm so embarrassed that I'm forgetting his name now. He unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but was the villain in in Die Hard. Uh, Alan, Alan? Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. God, he was just incredible in Die yeah. Hard. He's just such a bad baddie.
0: He was, He was. Oh, I mean, his character's God. awful. What I love is that his yeah. characters live side by, like they're too bad. So he played, um, he played, oh my God, I, I'm i blanking on the name because there's him and also his brother played by Jer, Gruber. He played Gruber in Die Hard. But then he also was, um, the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which yep. was another just like- So, so good. So oh. good, yeah. Legend. And he was
1: sneak. Yeah, yeah. That
0: answer Legend. has not come up. So, there would be people who argue that he's not a super villain um, because it doesn't have like magical powers, but it's whatever, true. whatever, yeah. I'm letting yeah. it stand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Favorite scene partner?
1: Of mine? Yes. Oh, that's tough. You gonna put, make me put that out there, scene partner? Oh man.
0: Yes, I'm gonna. It's my show. I uh, like to make things uncomfortable. I mean, we talked about the joy of sitting in discomfort, Tomo. This so is that
1: so time. Upset, baby.
0: Okay, fine. You can say a few of them.
1: I mean, listen, I've been really, really blessed to been able to mix it up with a lot of different actors. Um, and some really, really talented ones. And the funny thing is, sometimes the material, the overall material, like the show, isn't the best. But you have you have a scene, or you have something where you, it's just memorable. You know, you're not going to forget it. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this. You know what? I'm going to give you a safe, PC answer. Politician, son. I know Politician, son, because I have to. Because <laughs> I just have to. But I'll tell you this. Alex and I have never really had significant scenes together. We just haven't, we haven't worked together enough. Yeah. We've done it a few times. They've, they've been smaller scenes. Like even recently we did uh, we did something that just, it wasn't big. And I'm really looking forward to mixing it up with him because two people who know each other so well and anybody who knows us knows our sense of humor and how we get along, just the layers mm-hmm. of that, that we can bring to the right thing written for us will be amazing. Alex and I did a couple scenes together in acting class. We were doing Ben Ratner's uh, uh, acting class years ago. And we did this, we did this comedy. Um, and I still remember how hard people were weeping and laughing in that class when we did that. We a had
0: comedy. Something.
1: Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was um it was good. It was a dark, dark comedy about drug addicts, but uh, we, we did the scene together. And to this day, that was like one of my highlights. We had such a blast doing it. We were both having a hard time not cracking up doing it. So Alex, my boy, for the sake of not being original and giving you a very PC answer, we had brilliant stuff. And we the had-
0: drinking game. And the and drinking game. Me.
1: We, but okay. you know, I've had so many wonderful experiences. Grace Park and I, in terms of like scene partner for a long time, mm. we had some magic scenes in Battlestar that I'll never forget. Never forget. There were some of the the the, the heaviest, had yeah, the most gravitas uh, emotionally, personally, where we went together, those scenes yeah. I'm so proud of them to this day. Yeah.
0: Okay. I accept I accept your your PC answers. Okay. I might ask you for like the on PC version after, okay. you know. <laughs> okay. So this is the last question. Um, before we get to the actual last question, but this is the last question of favorite things. And I got to tell you Tama, for my daughter, yeah. this is the question. This is the one that she will, she will look at and be like, okay, this is who this guy is.
1: <clears throat> you ready? Yeah.
0: <clears throat> favorite animal.
1: uh well i'm really fascinated by and i always have been fascinated by wolves and i had an experienced i've had a few experiences really? with wolves in the last few years um really yeah yeah just being out on the land and uh they, they they're 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 playing a uh a, a part in this this chapter of my uh my existence uh, a more prominent part for whatever reason i need to explore that a little bit more but yeah. it's really interesting because they uh I had, uh, I had an experience with a, a wolf, um, in, in the Yukon, uh, a few years back and then again the next year. And then I had an experience with more than a few wolves.
0: I'm sorry, and- when you're saying experience, like, are you like, are you like sharing space with them?
1: You. Oh yeah. 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 Like being, being in close proximity to them.
0: Amazing. Uh,
1: out in the land. Uh, but I wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. <laughs> it, wasn't planned and it wasn't, wasn't the most comfortable thing. Um, but uh, yeah, wolves, they're fascinating cool. creatures, sure. highly intelligent. They're amazing, amazing creatures.
0: I remember uh, years ago out east um, hearing wolf calls and like they're communicating with each other and there's no sonically the the experience that I had like in my body. Like it's just it's something that I it's it's so
1: hard to haunting and beautiful yeah. and, and, and spe- yeah, it's really powerful. It's really powerful.
0: All right. I think that's a great answer. I can't believe we have talked for almost two hours. Can you believe it, Tomo?
1: It flies by, doesn't it? It,
0: it, it really does. Cause I, I feel like we could, I mean, there's still so much more I wanted to talk about with you. Um, we're going to end with that, that time travel question Perfect. though. Uh, so if you could go back in time. Actually, first of all, let's pinpoint where we're going back to. You know, so what version of yourself would require this advice? You know, so so picture that and tell us who that is, and then really, what what kind of advice would you would you give yourself? I also, though, offer my guests the opportunity to not give any advice at all. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's an option too, because sometimes well, you just gotta let things.
1: Well said. Well said. And, you know, uh, many of us, we all like, you know, we have regrets and we wish we did this. And what if I did that? And it would be, you know, I think it's, it's in human nature though, to be very curious about, you know, if you'd made a certain decision and your life had gone in a different direction, where it would have gone, what what that reality would have been. I think we're, we're naturally curious. And we, 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 uh, we often do this. Um, I, I, I try not to punish, you know, there was a period there where I really just, I was going through a, a lower point in, uh, and just having a lot of regret. Um, I think, you know, I would like to believe that uh, I'm following my path the way I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's 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 set out for me in certain directions, and uh, it it hasn't. Um, some of the things that I'd hoped would happen haven't happened when I thought they would,
0: mm-hmm. but they eventually
1: happened when they should. And, and in hindsight, when I think about it. Um, uh, That's exactly what's happened. So I've, I've it's a, a lesson of mine in life that I'm constantly, the universe is trying to tell me. It's like you know, just, just, just realize that everything's going to work out as it should. Yeah. When it does, just when take you need through, it. through the through the tough times, through the lowest points. Just see it through. Fall back on those things that know the toolboxes you so eloquently said. Fall back on those things that get you through, that keep you going, that keep you happy whenever it can as low as a point as you're at fall back on those things that that you know that help you grow and and uh inspire you and uh and do your thing to get you through or keep your health strong keep your, uh, your mental health strong your physical body strong meditate working out whatever your thing is you know yeah. martial arts and uh whenever i've done that uh things have always turned out and oftentimes it's like the test is longer and longer like i get to a point where i'm just like i'm gonna break i'm like i can't take it anymore and things always turn out they always do so i would say i would have some advice for the younger me but i i I often just want to share it because you know i want to share it with younger actors who may have been who may have a similar experience or you know a similar crossroads in in their career they may have had a bunch of success and then are, are at a point where things are a little bit slower or what have you but it's so important in this job, in this craft, in any art form or any vocation or passion, do the work. Just don't don't get away from the work. It's it's work. You got to do the work. But there's beauty in the work and and even in the tough work. And you got to see it through. And that's what life is about. It's about, you know, it's. It's the scars we build up, but it's also the strength and the intelligence we, we gain and the experience and perspective that we get by doing the work and seeing through the tough. Into yeah. the, to, you know, the, we plateau often, but then there's learning curves and there's such beauty in it. And uh, you earn them and you appreciate them more when you've worked through the shape. You know you've mm-hmm. honestly done the work. Sometimes we tell ourselves we've done the work and why isn't things, why aren't things working out for me? And why isn't this happening or what have you? But in our heart, you know, if we're really honest with ourselves, we know that we haven't done it. We've gotten mm-hmm. away, or we know what we still need to do. So I would say just, you know, do the work, man, especially through the slow times. Get back at, get back at it. See it through, do, do everything that's required to be successful in your craft, mm-hmm. to be a wonderful human being, to grow as a human being, to be a better parent, friend, lover, partner, child, whatever you can do, just work, do the work
0: oh such a good answer such a good bookend for this episode because we state in our in our thesis statement that there's nothing more that we celebrate more than the work and then you brought us to this place so thank you tomo panic oh my god where where can our fans find you follow you celebrate you Learn about important causes on the social media.
1: You know what? Twitter is really the one that I'm most active on uh, for all social media. I'm terrible at Instagram. Uh, You know, I surf it every once in a while. I post, you know, if there's something happening, but I'm really bad at it. Twitter is really where it's at. Um, You know, it's at Tom O'Pennicott. It's easy to find. And, you know, a lot of the causes or things that I believe in our support are there. Um, And it's probably the place that I'm most vocal in terms of social media. So, you know, check me out on Twitter.
0: Excellent. All right, well, thank you, Tomo. Thank you to our listeners. Please like and subscribe if you are so inclined. Please leave us a review. They help us find even more listeners and we can continue the conversation. You can find us at www.YVRScreenScene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by myself, Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane Not NotFurmingerDevily for the original music. Web we'll Air Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! In the current COVID-19 environment, UBCP ACTRA, the BC Performers Union in the film and TV industry, has been working closely with industry partners, formulating sensible and practical guidelines for all cast and crew to ensure working on set is manageable and safe for everyone. UBCP ACTRA has created a dedicated COVID-19 webpage at www.ubcpactra.ca where members can find mental health resources, financial assistance information, and back-to-work strategies and updates about the current status of film production in the province of British Columbia. UBCP ACTRA knows this has been an extraordinarily difficult time for many
1: people, and we look forward to better days ahead. We will get through this together. Please visit www.ubcpactra.ca. A message from UBCP
0: ACTRA.